Just like, uh, like, you, like you devastate a city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people. I mean, it's just like, like you put all the off- offensive players in one bag and I just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag. So each time he came over there, I tried to tear his damn head off. Let's play some football! Let's play some football! The pressure is on. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Focus on what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish. They're going undefeated and winning the national championship. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. obviously changed from these early mock drafts, but when I look at C.J. Stroud, I see Justin Herbert back at Oregon. The arm strength is there, the elite size is there, and a lot like Justin at Oregon, I'd like to see C.J. Stroud actually use his legs a little bit more. We know that Herbert was coached not to do that by Mario Cristobal's staff. He goes to the L.A. Chargers, starts using his legs. He's a fantastic franchise quarterback. I think C.J. Stroud will be very similar, but look for him this year to use those legs a little bit more in the RPO game. For Bryce Young, it is almost impossible to find a comp for a player who's listed at six foot and 194 pounds. I don't believe he's that tall. I actually don't believe he weighs that much either. But his game is similar to Kyler Murray in the way he distributes the ball from the pocket. He's a point guard at the position. He's going to set up his guys to win with yards after catchability, with great touch and timing and anticipation. But you're not getting those elite traits or measurables that you're going to get from someone like C.J. Stroud and some of the other quarterbacks in this 2023 class as well. Okay, so you're talking about comps to Justin Herbert and to Kyler Murray those guys, I would want to take number one. So why are these guys not one, two in your in your draft? Because Will Anderson is not of this earth, basically, is the answer. Our guy Himbo texted me a stat this morning. 34 and a half tackles for a loss last year from Will Anderson. That's more than Aiden Hutchinson, Trevon Walker, and Kayvon Thibodeau had combined last year. It's just not fair what Will Anderson can do. You want to talk about comps? He's Von Miller, six foot four. 245 pounds with amazing explosiveness off the edge, great strength. He has a motor that never stops. So, no, he's not as big as Chase Young or one of the Bosa brothers, but I think the total package you get for him as an edge rusher, whether that be a 3-4 or 4-3 scheme, and he has the tools to be one of the best in the NFL within his first season. So that's why you take him over one of these quarterbacks. One of the best in the NFL in his first season. Imagine that. Hello there. Good morning. Welcome into Off the Edge. Jacob Harrison here. Digital Managing Editor of Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. We got a whole host of folks back there. It's uh, Timbo on the board, Hunter Brantley back there, Mason Woods, C. John back there. We got Joe Gaither still in there. We got a full house. 
And that leading us out was Matt Miller on ESPN talking about his mock draft, which we discussed lightly yesterday with AJ Spur. His mock draft that dropped uh, earlier this week. 2023 mock draft. Now, look, I get it. Mock drafts are early all the time, right? You can do one the day after the draft. You're doing it too early. You can do one in March. You're doing one too early. So one in June is still too early. I. It's more of a understanding of where you should expect your guys to be, who you should expect to be stepping up, and who guys are being talked about, who are the guys that the NFL is already talking about. And all of that is fair. And I like Matt Miller. He's probably the fourth best guy on ESPN's draft scouting roster behind Mel, behind Todd, and behind Jordan Reed. But that doesn't mean I don't like Matt Miller, right? There's a lot of people in the the independent scouting community, draft Twitter, that really don't like Matt Miller. I'm not one of those guys, right? Everybody's got their opinion. Uh, Some people watch more film than others. It kind of is what it is. But where I draw a pretty sincere problem was a lot of what he said in the first minute of that two-minute clip, talking about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I have a problem with it, but I am not surprised. If you listen to the show regularly, you know that just a few weeks ago, not long after the NFL draft took place, I told you, that Bryce Young is going to be behind C.J. Stroud throughout this whole thing. And that C.J. Stroud is going to get beneficial treatment, not only because he's from Ohio State, and not only because he's slightly bigger, but because he has a cannon arm as well. But here's where I draw a pretty sincere problem. I don't like player comps, right? Anytime I've ever worked in any type of draft scouting environment. If you've seen any of my scouting stuff from earlier this year and in prior years, I stay away from actual true. This is who I compare this player to. Cause I don't like it. Players are individuals and nobody should want to be the next somebody else. Right. Remember watch wrestling and they're like, Oh, this guy's the next Shawn Michaels. You don't want that. You want to be your own guy. You want to have your own individuality, your own persona, your own fan base, your own skill set, everything that you bring to the table should be your own. It should be hard to find a comp for Bryce Young. It should just be it should be equally as difficult to find one for CJ Stroud. But here's the thing. If you're gonna make a comp, make a good one. Matt Miller missed on both of these first of all if we're gonna come after bryce young's height for being listed at six foot tall first of all we have photo evidence of a guy standing next to cj stroud by the name of bryce young at the heisman ceremony and we see a guy that is roughly two to three inches shorter than cj stroud who is listed at six foot three who is a fraction of an inch shorter than Kenny Pickett, who was measured at six foot three at the NFL Combine. It's photo evidence. GTS. Google that. <clears throat> it, it, it's not difficult. But if we're going to compare quarterbacks based off of all the parameters, and we're going to call CJ Stroud Justin Herbert, who is listed at six foot six, but we can't find another quarterback for Bryce Young because he's short. So we got to go with the shortest quarterback to ever play in the NFL other than Doug Flutie. And we got to go to Kyler Murray just because they're both short. We're not doing it right. C.J. Stroud has a cannon arm. C.J. Stroud has athletic ability but does not use it often. C.J. Stroud is incredibly accurate. And he's got a very talented team around him and should be in the Heisman conversation and should be a top five pick next year. I don't want to see any bashing of C.J. Stroud to uphold Bryce Young. It's not necessary. C.J. Stroud went through some struggles last year, but when he got back, good Lord, he got back. He was insane. But he is not Justin Herbert. Just because you have a cannon arm and are 
one of the bigger quarterbacks in the class does not make you Justin Herbert. And the fact of the matter is, is that C.J. Stroud himself plays like C.J. Stroud. I don't think there's a real good comparison for what C.J. Stroud really is. If we're going to base it on the same parameters that you give him Bryce Young, if you base it on the things that Matt Miller said outside of height, then yeah, it makes a little bit of sense. But when you put that same criteria on Bryce Young, that it's about his height, that you can't find somebody to compare him to, first of all, you can compare Bryce Young to Tua Tungvaluwa quite easily. Above average arm, deadly accurate, runs when he has to, very intelligent quarterback, commanding in the pocket, commanding in the huddle. That's a pretty easy one to do. But you don't want to do that because you don't want to talk about a top five quarterback being a pit... uh, heading into the NFL draft and compare him to a guy that a lot of people want to compare, say is a bust right now into a tongue of Iloa. That's fair. Well, if you can't do that, then why don't you compare him to the guy that to a tongue of Iloa should be compared to? And maybe a Russell Wilson type player, incredible deep ball above average arm strength, deadly accurate runs when he has to probably not going to be able to do that forever. And guess what? Russell Wilson, six foot tall. Ta-da. Or you can do what Kendall Hollowell did this morning on Tide109.com as if he was reading my mind and be the most correct of anybody and compare Bryce Young to a guy that actually plays like Bryce Young, Aaron Rodgers. And if you're, I know, is Joe asleep? (laughs) He may not like this one because I know he likes Bryce Young. But if you are going to want to make a comparison that makes absolute sense for Bryce Young, and you want to take away those three inches that you gave to C.J. Stroud, and you want to give them to Bryce Young, if Bryce Young is six foot three, six foot four, he's easily compared to Aaron Rodgers. You don't want to do that either because Aaron Rodgers is one of the most gifted quarterbacks to ever play the game. Because Lord knows the hell that I had to endure by comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady on skill set alone simply because of Tom Brady's legacy. On skill set, they're very similar quarterbacks. On skill set, Bryce Young and Aaron Rodgers are very similar quarterbacks. Does Aaron Rodgers have a significantly more powerful arm? Yeah, I would probably say so. But that doesn't mean that Bryce Young is incapable of throwing 60-yard darts, that Bryce Young is not capable of launching rainbow passes and deadly, deadly, deadly accuracy, the likes of which Aaron Rodgers possesses. And the athletic ability to get out of the wildest predicaments. Aaron Rodgers has played behind some porous offensive lines in his day. Despite always having a solid left tackle, he's been behind some pretty terrible offensive lines, and he always makes it work because he's got one of the fastest releases since Dan Marino. Guess who else has an incredibly fast release? Bryce Young. Guess who else makes those types of decisions as fast as humanly possible? It's Bryce Young. Does that mean that Bryce Young should automatically leapfrog C.J. Stroud? Maybe not. Maybe not. Matt Miller is probably just being incredibly conservative in who he's comparing to. Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray are two extremely exciting quarterbacks that were selected in the top six of their respective drafts, one of them being the first overall pick, by the way, and that was the one that that Bryce Young was compared to. But neither one has even won a playoff game yet. And you go into that space, you want to be slightly conservative. You don't want to bring C.J. Stroud in who measurables compared to a Patrick Mahomes as far as his arm strength and his athletic ability and his accuracy, all those different types of things, and his height and weight, and say, yeah, he's Patrick Mahomes. Because then, first of all, you got to be right. you got to be right. But secondly, how do you not take that guy first overall? And if you compare the other guy to Aaron Rodgers, how do you not take that guy first overall? And all of that is fair. It's why I don't like doing comps. Because, again, 
Me and Kendall could get roasted alive by so many people. How dare you compare Bryce Young to Aaron Rodgers? How dare you compare him to one of the most gifted quarterbacks to ever play the game? How dare you? Same. Exactly the same as Mac Jones last year. And if anybody were bold enough to say the same thing about C.J. Stroud. But the reality is, is that both of these guys are bona fide top five selections. If the top five of the NFL draft next year is not some combination of Will Anderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jalen Carter, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young next year, it's because somebody got hurt or because one of these teams is on drugs. Dangerously. Because those five players are cannot miss products right now. Cannot miss products. You can... Say that about a lot of drafts. But honestly, compare compare this draft class to the one that we just went through in 2022, and you're seeing an immense amount of talent in it. Yes, there is a lot of reaching and projecting on these quarterbacks. The the likes of a Jaron Hall from BYU, a Will Levis from Kentucky, uh, and Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, all being in Matt Miller's top ten. Those are headline grabbers. Those are things for him to talk about when he's on ESPN and he gets done drooling over guys like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Anderson. But really, kind of go down the list. These offensive linemen will make their names known throughout. So Peter Skaronsky being the first offensive tackle taken in at number 12, that's not what's going to happen, right? There's going to be an offensive lineman that slips into the top 10, and it could very well be that guy. But guys like Bijan Robinson a guy who's not selected in these top 32, uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs. A lot of these guys, Jordan Addison being at 14 is somewhat silly. Brian Brees being at 17 is somewhat silly. There are a lot of guys who are going to explode even further than where they are now. And honestly, Matt Miller is being a little bit silly by having six first-round quarterbacks next year. A little bit silly. Three or four is probably the max. Because there's a lot of teams that took quarterbacks this year that shouldn't have. (coughs) Atlanta Falcons. That are kind of putting themselves in a position to be in a weird spot come next year. And there's only going to be one team in the NFL this season that throughout the season you're going to say, wow, they really need a quarterback. And it's either going to be the Carolina Panthers or the Seattle Seahawks because the other one's getting Baker Mayfield. And spoiler alert, Baker's probably going to Seattle. So the reality is is you're 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 looking at maybe three teams honestly that are actually in position to 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 want to take a quarterback and that would most likely be the Seattle Seahawks, the Carolina Panthers, or excuse me, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston Texans. Everybody else is very much determined on what they do to go ahead and presume that the lions or the giants are going to take a quarterback in the top 10. I think is, I think you're fooling yourself a little bit there. Daniel Jones has a team around him right now. I'm not saying he's going to be a fantastic player, but the writing's not on the wall yet for a guy like him. Jared Goff has a fat contract. And if he plays marginally well with fantastic receivers that he has this year, he may buy himself some time. The point stands though is when you make these mock drafts at this point in time, you're going to make some pretty outlandish claims that you can't really back up. But that's not going to absolve you when you make those claims on national television. And to be quite honest, you're flat out wrong. And it's unfair to Bryce Young. Yes, we're in the heart of Tuscaloosa right now talking about what's unfair to Bryce Young. But it is Absolutely unfair to Bryce Young to, in the closing seconds of your argument for why he is comparable to a Kyler Murray to discredit his athletic ability because, seriously, have you ever seen Kyler Murray run? There's nobody in the NFL that does that at his position. He has roadrunner legs. It's bizarre. So if you want to compare him by his throwing ability, then please tell me why Kyler Murray has been above average at best at throwing the football in the NFL so far. 
And then to say that Bryce Young doesn't have those elite traits, I've said this for a long time. Give me accuracy over arm strength. What C.J. Stroud has is both. What Bryce Young has is accuracy above arm strength, but he doesn't have he doesn't have a Kenny Pickett arm. He doesn't have a Mac Jones arm. He doesn't have a Tua Tungavailoa arm. He is stronger than all three of those guys. Proves it on a weekly basis and is far more athletic than any of those three guys as well, including Kenny Pickett, who he shared a stage with at the Heisman ceremony, standing just a couple of inches shorter. Bryce Young deserves better. That man ran away with the Heisman Trophy last year, and he could very well do it again this year with less respect. Bryce Young. We'll talk about Will Anderson and other players in this mock draft. Next, if you want to call in, 205-342-9904 here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9. You're home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9 presents Movies in the Park. It all happens at Government Plaza on Saturday nights for free. Bring your lawn chairs, blankets, and coolers, but no alcohol. Food trucks will be on site. All brought to you by Pepsi, Tuscaloosa Tourism and Sports, and First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa. This Saturday, July 2nd, featuring the movie 101 Dalmatians. Lucky, lucky, get down. We can't see. I'm hungry, Mother. Cruella DeVille. She's going to make coats out of us. I worship her. For more details and full movie lineup, swipe open the free Tuscaloosa Thread app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny, a few spots could see a passing shower or a thunderstorm through the evening hours. The high today, 89, tonight's low, 71. Or tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms again. The high, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow Off the Edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues. Here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison hanging out with you. We got Timbo, Hunter Brantley, Mason Woods, Intern John, Joe Gay. They're all behind the glass. Full house. If you want to join us, 205-342-9904. You can join the show. We're talking NFL Draft 2023, which is going to be a big topic all throughout the season, all, all throughout it, because Alabama has two of the top five players in the class, straight up. But honestly, it also has the number one guy. You're not going to see very many big boards from now until next April that have anybody other than Will Anderson at the top. And I'll give Matt Miller his Von Miller comp a little bit, I will say what Von, what makes Von Miller so special at his size isn't his mixture of size and speed or size and strength. It's because he has the best bend we've ever seen in the NFL, and nobody can replicate it. Now, oftentimes, that's because the NFL goes for bigger guys, right? James Harrison had a good bend. Elvis Dumerville had a really good bend. Elvis Dumerville was six foot tall. 
James Harrison was like six one. So it makes sense. Sometimes those guys with bent with really good bend tend to be a tad bit shorter, but Von Miller's one of the tallest to do it, and he's one of the most gifted to ever do it. Will Anderson doesn't necessarily win like that all that often, but can he be just as dominant as Von Miller? Yes, absolutely. There's a long stretch of time where Von Miller was the best edge rusher in the NFL. So it's not out of the question that Will Anderson can do the same thing and very, very quickly in his NFL career. As Matt Miller said at the top of the show, in that snippet from ESPN. What really boosts Will Anderson's value heading into next year's draft, though, is remember this season, this this draft, how it was a lot of edge guys. I mean, hell, three of the first five guys were edge guys. If that if the draft class kind of persists as it stands right now, if you look at this mock draft. It's Will Anderson and then a bunch of offensive guys. And anybody that's not on offense is a cornerback or uh, not an edge rusher, basically. You get to 13 before you get his next edge rusher. Then you get to 16. Uh, if it, Brian Brees is a interior pass rusher. Uh, then you can get down to 23. There's just not a lot of them. 24. And that does it, right? Twenty and, and then 31. That's not a lot of edge rushers. And a lot of these guys are guys you've never heard of because that guy at 13 is from Army. And if he were to be selected in the first round, it would be the first time a guy from Army was selected in the first round or from a service academy, for that matter, since 1947. I'd like to see that happen. I'm not going to lie. This dude's 6'7", 250. I, I'd like to see it. Uh, Andre Carter the second. I see Mason pulled up his phone. It's... But the rest of these guys you really haven't heard of outside of maybe Isaiah Foskey, depending on just how in-depth you go on your national college football information. Miles Murphy might be one that you maybe know about, but as good as the defense was in Clemson last year, it was not It was not something that a lot of people kind of jotted names down and took note, unless they were scouts. That boosts the value of a player that is already absolutely insane like Will Anderson to atmospheric levels. As long as a team doesn't need a quarterback at the first overall pick, there's no question whose name gets called first. Now, here's the problem. Who are the teams that are most likely going to have the first overall pick? I already named them off. The Texans, the Falcons, the Panthers. Those are the teams that you've really got to be eyeing. Whatever service Matt Miller used to get his uh, his draft order, put the Jets first. The Jets are not going to be the worst team in football next year unless Zach Wilson gets hurt. The Bears being second, that's also not going to happen. They're not going to be good, but they're not going to be elite either. So it's... It's the one thing that stands in Will Anderson's way of being that first overall guy. But remember how we talked earlier, may have been earlier this week, may have been last week, late last week. We were talking about the the possibilities. We were talking about the, the guy on the game that called in and said they were going to have like 30 sacks between Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, or was it 35? I think it's 35. It's a tad bit more outlandish. Tad bit more bold, I should say. It's actually a very realistic, bold prediction that I actually kind of like. Don't know if it's going to happen, but let's be honest. This guy got 17 and a half sacks last year with a big, fat question mark on the edge rusher opposite of him for most of the season. Now he's got Dallas Turner, who, if he stays healthy, the dynamic between those two guys... And Pete and Nick are getting a tad bit more creative in their pass rushing lanes because now we're going to throw Chris Braswell out there sometimes with both of them and just wreak havoc. Unleash the dogs of hell, right? I hope that's the name of that package, by the way, dogs of hell, Cerberus or something like that, a three-headed monster. 
And then throw in Byron Young or Justin Aboigby or any of these guys that could come in and help pass rush in that same thing. Plus, you're blitzing uh, Henry Toe. Toe from time to time. Listen, Will Anderson's going to get his. He's going to eat no matter what. But the fact remains that the talent around him is absolutely insane, and that only serves to help him further. When was Von Miller at the true top of his game? When DeMarcus Ware was opposite of him. When the Denver Broncos, you want to compare Will Anderson to, to Von Miller, let's not ignore the year that Von Miller had leading up to his Super Bowl 50 MVP performance, in which DeMarcus Ware played out of his mind for a guy at his age and assisted Von Miller in such a way. Remember, Ware had just as much impact in that Super Bowl against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers as Von Miller did, and it allowed Von Miller to eat even more because at the time he was the more gifted athlete and much closer to being in his prime. With Will Anderson, he's going to have all that around him, but that's not even talking about what's on the back end. Yesterday, I was on WNSP down in Mobile talking with Michael Bronner, uh, who's down there, by the way, in case you missed that news from a couple of months ago. And it's it's terrifying. If you really stop and think about where Alabama's defense is at, with the guys that are up front rushing the passer, you're not going to be able to get the ball out quickly because of the coverage on the back end. And that's not even acknowledging the fact that the safety tandem is pretty damn good. Jordan Battle's a guy that should be in first-round contention in April. Uh, DeMarco Helms is a guy that, yeah, he's, he's been inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on. And behind them is Christian Story, who I think is going to be an elite player in 2023. So then you look out to the corners. I haven't even talked about Eli Ricks, who was mocked fourth overall in this thing. And opposite of him is Kool-Aid McKinstry. And behind them is Kyrie Jackson. Oh, by the way, Brian Branch. Oh, by the way, Malachi Moore, if he's able to return from that back injury uh, in, in a much, much tougher fashion than he did last year. That's terrifying. And all of that equals more production for the best football player in the country, Will Anderson. Plain and simple. It doesn't get much more obvious for Will Anderson in that regard. And here's the thing. The last few guys to be that, oh, we've got to have them edge rusher, generational talent. Especially one, Jadevian Clowney. But a lot of those guys, they explode as sophomores, and then they don't really do a lot their junior year, and then they just take that first overall pick, and they go on with their lives. Right? We've seen it a lot. The most true recent example of that is Jadavian Clowney because, let's face it, Miles Garrett is the second best pass rusher in the NFL behind T.J. Watt. But noticed how there was this one guy last year by the name of Kayvon Thibodeau who was the number one overall pick all throughout the season. And then the closer the draft came, closer the draft came, closer the draft came, the less likely it was he was going to be that guy, and he ended up going fifth overall. That's the kind of stuff that won't happen to Will Anderson. It just won't. Barring injury, there's nothing stopping him. Absolutely nothing. Let's jump out to the phone line real quick. Roland, what's going on, man? Hey, I want to change the subject a little bit. Uh, what do you know about the Alabama softball team? I mean, it's not like it's just it's just, I mean, there seemed like big problems there. You know, they lost the six girls that transferred. And the disturbing thing about that was the uh, three of them started and played a lot and was going to be the future of the team. They transferred out. So, I mean, I've been reading some uh, stuff on Facebook and all that that, you know, they was problems with the team. They could be three more transferred out of there. Uh, have you heard anything about the problems there? No, I haven't. Uh, I just see girls that are going in the transfer portal, going where they're going to go. Mean, now, and they've, lost, they've lost six transfers, and he's brought in one girl, and she's from North Alabama. So he's not even in a transfer portal trying to get the quality players. Well, 
visibly from the public. I mean, we can't see that. I mean, I was talking to Mason beforehand. We're obviously I just spent the past thirty six minutes talking about the NFL draft. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm more plugged in on football all year round than I am softball, but I do care about softball and I do acknowledge what's going on. It to to me, what I see is something where we don't know what's going on, on from the outside, right? When there's a mass exodus of players like this, you know, that that's a lot of smoke. But if we don't know what caused the fire, it's really not right of us to, to really speculate on what caused the fire until that information is brought out. I will say this, though, because I agree with you. If Murph isn't taking the necessary steps to be in the transfer portal and go find kids to to replace the girls that he has lost because he's I uh, Megan Bloodworth made what the third freshman transfer alone yeah. out of all of us yeah if that's yeah, three starters if, if you're losing young production like that and and girls that played you've got to be able to replace that and if you didn't have it in your recruiting class and now you're kind of desperately in the transfer portal, you're just going to have a hell of a hard time replacing anybody because right. every, every phone call you make is, well, why have so many girls already left? And you have to answer that question. And Murph knows, Murph might know the answer. He might not. This may just be a big whirlwind of what the hell is going on for him too, the same way it is for us. College athletes are in an unprecedented era where they can do what's best for them. And if they feel a move is what's best for them, then more power to them. I'm all about the individual just the same. But I will say this. If we go a fifth year with Montana Fouts at pitcher on this team and we have to overuse her because of a lack of talent around her and fail to win a national championship in her career, I'm I'm not – I'm not going to be the guy that says, oh, that that's the, the straw on the camel's back to, to fire Murph. I, I don't think Murph has done anything egregious to be warranted in those conversations, but there are a lot of people that are going to feel that way because to not have a national championship in Montana Fouts' career when she's one of the best athletes, period, to ever step on this campus is going to be a lot of people very upset. Well, you know, I think the telling tale was after the girls entered the transfer portal, uh, Montana come out to kind of back Murphy. And I thought I didn't think a lot about them, but after thinking about it, I think that tells you there's something wrong with this team, something wrong inside the program somewhere. And you know, I, I don't know what it is. And like I say, you don't know what it is, but there's some there. There's a problem. Uh, like I say to me, the tell and tell was when three starters, freshman starters, that was the future of this team transfers out. And I thought Jenna Lord was uh, going to be a, a great – I think she's going to be a great player. And I thought she could start coming, you know, later in the year on her own with her hit and all that. And that's where his team struggles with. And I've, been, I've told Gary Harris, you know, this Murphy's got to change. He's got to go out and get a hitting coach. Uh, same way Arkansas did. They did that. Yeah, and they just I turned their program that. around. And so there, there's problems. Murphy's, you know, he needs to follow Saban's, you know, Saban, when there's a problem with uh, uh, changing offense or defense, he goes out and changes. He changes uh, top Perry recruits. He changes coaches. Murphy don't do that. He just sets still, you know. And you can't win games any more one to nothing, two to one. No, you got to have some hitting. I definitely, I definitely agree. the The prospect of going out and getting a hitting coach is something he should do. I was joking earlier that 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 maybe what Murph should do is go talk to Nick. Uh, and hope that Nick doesn't just say, well, Murph, I, I win championships, and, and it solves a lot of my problems. Uh, I, I, I think those guys probably have a good conversation every once in a while, but it, it is vitally important. I will agree with that. You have to be malleable as a coach. You, when you've been doing it for as long as Murph has been doing it, you have to be malleable and be able to change. I'm not going to tell Murph what he what he needs to do. I'm not a softball expert. I've never won a national championship in softball. He has. But you can't just rest on your laurels. You do have to find ways to be ahead of the curve, to stay in contention. You can't just sit back and be like, well, Oklahoma gets all the girls. You can't do that. You've got to work with what you have. And the fact of the matter is you look back to uh, Team 25 and you see two of the best athletes that have ever played softball here, Montana Fouts and Bailey Hemphill, and they were basically dragging that team along. It was a great team, don't get me wrong, 
there's fantastic players on it, but with all the injuries that that team sustained to make it to the College World Series, it had a lot to do with those players. But by the end of the year, you have reached teams with with the caliber of athletes and coaching to avoid Bailey Hemphill and to force you to overwork Montana Fouts, and that's what got them in trouble. So now when you're trying to build an actual team, and you see this year, again, a lot of injuries, a lot of freshmen playing, but you still lack the pop to, to create explosive plays and you know, create home runs and those types of things, and, and your pitching is kind of all out of whack too, it makes for a lot, a lot of problems that honestly could have seeped into these players just simply having a different, a different view from what Murph has. And like I said earlier, especially in these lesser, I don't mean lesser sports, I mean uh, non-revenue generating sports, that's the politically correct way to say that, uh, is these players have much more say-so than they used to have and the ability to go out and transfer and it makes sense for them. And if that's the case, you know, before a softball player may have just not agreed with what a coach had to say, but scholarships and softball are what they are. They're not always full rides and they're not always the most ironclad. You stick with what you have. Now it's a case where I can go where I can. If I don't like what, what my situation is, I'm out of here. So maybe that plays a role more than just, you know, something well, actually well, chaotic or troublesome. I noticed that also it seemed like his team started out this year hitting good and the first one's hitting good. But same as the year went on, the, uh, the hit production went down. And I think it's uh, – I, I don't think Alabama's girls uh, – and it's, it's involved the hitting coach. I don't think they make the necessary adjustments in pitching how they've been pitched to and all that. And uh, they, it seemed like they was reluctant to take walks sometimes, you know, even. But to me, the hitting got worse as the year went on. I think that's, a, that's where they need a hitting coach at, a legitimate hitting coach. No doubt about it, Roland. I got to run, buddy. Thanks. No problem. We'll take a break, come back, continue the conversation here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. Alabama Crimson Tide got its eighth commitment of the 2023 class. Defensive coordinator Pete Golding received a commitment from JUCO linebacker Justin Jefferson out of Pearl River Community College. Freshman infielder Megan Bloodworth announced her transfer destination. The utility player will be transferring to Oklahoma State to continue her collegiate career. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young was nominated for two 2022 ESPY awards. You can visit ESPYs.com to vote for Young for Best Collegiate Male Athlete and Best Game for the 2021 Iron Bowl. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 Sports Update. Run it again! For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. Looking for something for the kids to do? Send them to the Sanderson Basketball Academy, July 11 through 14, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can email me at barrysanderson at hotmail.com. I'll send you a flyer. Let the kids learn to play the right way. Do it at the Sanderson Basketball Academy out at Tuscaloosa Academy. We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the podcast center on Tide100.9.com. the edge tied 100.9 your home for alabama crimson side sports 
We've been talking about the NFL draft. Had a quick conversation there about Alabama softball, but back to this uh, this mock draft by Matt Miller. Spent a lot of time talking about those top two guys, right? And like I mentioned, I, I hadn't even touched on Eli Ricks, who was mocked in the top five of this mock draft instead of Bryce Young. I still, first of all, three Alabama guys in the top six. Give me that. <laughs> give me that all day. I'm all about it. Won't complain. No matter what order they are, it's it's a hell of a lot better than just two in the top ten and that being it for the for the entire first round. I'm all about it. However, I'm not so sure that Eli Ricks is going to stay in that spot. Again, every time you see Eli Ricks' name, it's the, the last sentence in all of these mock drafts is Ricks was arrested in May. Right? That's gonna continue to carry with him. And yeah, I you know, everything was dropped, right? There's really no problems. He's going to play this year. He's going to be elite. But that's going to be one of those things that just sticks around. And that's, like, that's just ridiculous. Let it me is. Put that out. Like, like because like you said, the marijuana charges were dropped. The only thing, he was a speed, guy got a speeding ticket. Come on. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, I mean, still keep in mind, uh, you know, at least on some surface, it didn't necessarily matter on the national scale, and I can't imagine why. But Mac Jones, the DUI count, you know, is constant argument. You know, he only had one. No, he had two, right? And I, we still joke about that to this day in our group chat. So it's it. those are things that just stick around. You can't really avoid them. But Eli Ricks, similar to Will Anderson, is going to benefit heavily by his running mate. And Kool-Aid McKinstry is legit, y'all. <laughs> like, he's going to help Eli Ricks out a lot. Folks are already going to not want to throw Eli Ricks' way. But if they also don't want to throw Kool-Aid McKinstry's way or Kyrie Jackson's way or Malachi Moore's way or Brian Branch's way, what the hell are you going to do? You got to throw it somewhere. And it might just be in the direction of Eli Ricks, who's a dangerous, dangerous cornerback. Further on down the list, we get to Henry Toto as a first-round pick. I don't know that that is going to happen because at six foot two, 228, he's still small. For that size, not going to lie. But his speed is a big boost. But when your speed doesn't equate to excellent coverage skills, the NFL is getting sick and tired of that. And I'll tell you what, as a team that, as a fan of a team that employs Devin Bush, I don't blame the rest of the NFL for that. If you're supposed to be this new age linebacker, you got to be able to cover in space. And the fact that Christian Harris hadn't proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he could is why he fell from first round all the way down to the third to, to, to late in the second round, right? You don't want to be that guy that is unbelievably fast but small and can't cover in space. Eventually, they're going to figure out if they can drop 15 more pounds off of you and move you to safety, you know, and, and hope that you, you just – you're more of a box safety than anything else. That or put 10 more pounds on you and make you a strong linebacker uh, and just make you eat up space, dog. Like You've got to be able to show this season, Henry Toto, that you can cover in space. Um, and then you get down a little bit more, and we get to Jermaine Burton being a first-round wide receiver. I really, really like that. I think Jermaine Burton can definitely do that, especially with Bryce Young throwing on the ball. Was when I was talking with Michael yesterday, this is an offense that's going to have to kind of go through Jermaine Burton and Jameer Gibbs. And Burton, I think we saw it the first two plays of the A-Day game. An RPO slant to Burton, and then five-step drop, launch it deep to Burton. Burton's going to be the every guy. There is no Jam Jamison Williams on this team. It ain't Tyler Harrell. I'm here to tell you, it ain't there. And it's not magically going to be somebody else either. Jermaine Burton has deep threat ability. He has underneath ability. He can be a volume receiver like John Mechie. He's got a ton of targets to eat up. Uh, we did a show a while back where we spent like 40 minutes talking about Jermaine Burton. He can definitely, without a doubt, be a first-round pick. The guys that aren't listed on this at all, and I think it's because Matt Miller got a little quarterback happy on this thing, six quarterbacks, again, ludicrous. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think some of these guys are even going to be drafted in the first three rounds, to be honest with you. Uh, Will Levis. It's Jameer Gibbs 
is going to be strongly in consideration to be a late first round pick. I don't know if he'd be top 15. Bajon Robinson's probably going to be able to pull that off. I don't know. I don't know that Jameer Gibbs is going to be able to. But if he shows what he showed at Georgia Tech at Alabama, the NFL is going to fall in love with him. Jordan Battle should be a first round pick kind of guy as well. Again, late first. It's going to be in the conversation. Safeties always have to have a spectacular season before they come through. It's not one of the most valuable positions. Um, I think another guy you can keep an eye on Cameron Law too. Depends depends on how much volume he's able to accrue throughout the season. But my guy, Javion Cohen, I think he can pull off being a first-round pick as well. And if that's the case, I just named four guys on top of six, right? That'd be a lot of fun after a season where we only had two guys. That's all the time we got for today. The Jay Barker is the Jay Barker show is coming up next here on Tide 100.9. For all the guys in the production studio today, it is a full house. Good thing the AC is working in the middle of June or the end of June. I'm Jacob Harrison. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. We'll see you. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Hello, this is Martin Houston with Awakening, and I want to invite you to join us this Thursday, June 30th at 6.30 for an intimate time of worship and powerful preaching. Awakening is a community-wide service with no church affiliation, just a place where you can come worship God, hear great preaching, and fellowship with fellow believers. This Thursday, at the link 610 Watermelon Road or watch online at Empowerment Ministries on Facebook. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny, a few spots could see a passing shower or a thunderstorm through the evening hours. The high today, 89. Tonight's low, 71. Or tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms again. The high, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 four degrees in Tuscaloosa. Now, now live. live.